You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. I start off with a quote. This one's fairly short. Actually, it's scripture. And it's Proverbs 14, 23. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. So we got to stop talking, start doing. But yeah, I got a guest today, Jonathan Tuttle. Jonathan has an extensive real estate background. A few of his notable accomplishments were serving as the president of the Midwest for Yale Realty and Capital Advisors, serving as the fund manager at Midwest Park Capital, and being the founding director of Revenue Ascend, a digital marketing agency. Jonathan would describe himself as an investor, speaker, and upcoming author. Excited to tell his story and what he's doing. He's got a niche that he's created some success in, and we're going to dive deep into that, man. So welcome to the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That's a great quote. That's, you have, definitely got to take action. You can't just listen and not take action. Yeah, man. So tell me your story, man. People always, I always ask that on my podcast because I see some podcasts, they bring on these guests. And they just jump right into what they're doing and how they're doing it. And it's like, I want to know a little bit about who they are. You know, not everybody's Mark Zuckerberg or Warren Buffett, right? You know, and so it's like my audience, I just, I love, you know, everybody's got a story on how they got to real estate. So tell me your story and how you became a real estate entrepreneur. Sure, sure. So I guess it started growing up when I was a kid because my dad was a real estate developer, had a couple of brokerage offices. So like, flipped a bunch of houses in the 80s when I was a little kid. So like even at like four or five years old, I literally fell into the job sites. <laughs> and so that's what kind of piqued my interest in the industry. So I guess I was lucky because I grew up in the industry, but I didn't actually get into it myself in my 20s. You know, my teenage years, just did, I worked at Lexus. I love cars. So, I, you know, I did the porting, clean the car type thing. And then 20s, I worked at BB, ended up being the number one seller in the country for five years. And then again to real estate at 30. And then real estate started off, you know, the typical route, the brokerage side. And I still I've been a broker for the last 10 years. I actually just let my license expire about two months ago. But now nowadays I, you know, I start off the brokerage side and then work my way up that angle. And then now I'm just investing in them, mobile home parks. So I learned that that was the best asset class last pretty much last 50 years. And I saw that through the brokerage side and really like own the assets instead of just brokering them because it's you know you get the tax benefits you get the equity appreciation and that's kind of like my backstory no i love it man i love it so obviously with the real estate brokerage but like you said dude that's a blessing to grow up in the industry like like my kids are now experiencing that right like i got my son he's five years old he's on the construction site my little girl's already talking about how she's going to do marketing and sales so that's a blessing in itself man so congrats on that yeah thank you i think that's you know i saw what what it could bring and then, you know, through hard work, taking action. And then also real estate is such an incredible industry because there's so many different angles you could do. You could do like, I'm, you mentioned that's a unique niche is mobile homes, mobile home parks, but then there's multifamily, there's industrial. So there's, you know, senior living, retail, which is a little risky right now, I'd say with the econ, but there's an avenue for anybody. And then of course, single family, people are in the single family or even development. If you're doing development right now, it's probably really good if you're developing house because there's you know, shortage of homes. So there's an angle for anybody in real estate. You just got to find what you're passionate about and re, you know, see opportunity. So you were a real estate broker. Did you ever have a team? Were you the broker owner? Like, what did you do in the real estate sales? Let's talk about that. And then how did you transition into just saying, hey, I'm just going to be an investor? Sure. So yeah, I started off 
actually luxury real estate and then transitioned within two years to commercial real estate. And then I kind of did a combination for a couple of years. I ended up being the president of the Midwest for EO Realty, which is one of the three biggest brokerages in the country for a mobile home park brokerage. Then after that, I started the fund or I started working on buying it because I saw the opportunity. I want to have something when I'm not working, bringing in cash flow. And then right after that, I became the vice president of Miller Chicago, which was a, you know, the commercial real estate firm. So I kind of worked my way up to executive level, but I really was more passionate about actually owning it because nothing beats, like what you said, you mentioned Warren Buffett and you know, Zuckerberg, you want to have income that comes in when you're not working. That's the only way you're going to get ahead. And how do you do that? Brokerage is still working. And you still, even if you have a team, you still have to manage those people. When you actually own the asset and you have asset managers and stuff like that, it's a lot less work, in my opinion, than actually going out and brokering. And even though I get, you know, some nice checks and big, you know, nice checks, but like I'd rather just I love the cash flow of owning real estate. And I love the fact that the tax benefits, you don't get the tax benefits, you know, like specifically in mobile home parks, we have, which I go in detail later, but some of the best tax benefits of all real estate. And so all those things just kind of just add up and made them, you know, I'd rather, you know, build wealth than just have a commission check, you know every month. So that's, I just saw the value in that. And plus I, after being a broker for 10 years, you get kind of sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hit it on the head, man. We all hit that wall. Right. And for real estate agents, we get fired when we do our job. Literally, yeah. when, you know, you help me buy a house. Hey, great job, Jonathan. Give me my keys. You're awesome. Hug, closing photo. Bye. Yeah. And so I'm always telling real estate agents, it's a, it's great for cash flow. Yep. But take that cash flow and do something with it. Yeah, that's a great point. I always and I see that. I'm like, you see some brokers, they what's the quote? I forgot it is brokers, brokers who only broker go broke. My <laughs> <laughs> manager said that. And it's like, and he had he was that president, like the training for all the Spirit Band National. He opened up the West Coast office, California, New York, Chicago. That was before I got into yeah, royalty. So I've always had really good mentors. And you see some of those guys have been you know brokering for you know, 20, 30 years, but like if they would have bought tickets on that cash flow and invested in maybe start a construction business or bought some properties, they would have, they could be able to not work. And you see this guy stuck in them. It basically becomes a rat race because they didn't save the money. And so are invested into actually the asset they're selling, which I don't get that. <laughs> I really yeah. don't get it. No, it's, it's tough because it's, it's kind of like, I remember reading Robert Kiyosaki book, his book, who took my money when I was 22. And he, talked about the rat race or just like, you know, blind sheep just kind of following it. And once you get into real estate, this the industry is not set up for us to build multiple income streams and wealth. It's set up for us to have a job. Yeah. And so I'm very passionate right now. Like you'll see that I'm really talking a lot about realtors having multiple income streams, retirement. We don't have healthcare. We don't have 401k. We don't yeah. own anything that pays us when we're not working. And it's just, it's a tough industry. So man, congrats on making that transition first off. So when you made the transition, what, let's dive into it now. Why, why did you choose mobile home parks? Yeah, that was yeah, a great question. And this kind of to your point, there's three types of wealth. There's one is liquidity reserves, which then there's cash flow. You want to have being in vehicles that bring in cash flow when you're not working. And three is actually wealth production and multipliers. And that's actually on the asset. So just kind of hitting the head on that. Just really focus on having those three if you really want to be wealthy. Hey, Jim, before you jump forward on that, before you, can we break that down for our audience, those three? I want to I want to sure. dive into those a little more real quick, then we'll jump. So I think that's some really good wisdom. Yeah. Sorry. One of my mentors told me this. And so it's basically the first part is liquidity. So cash flow for, you know, 
for emergent situations, you know, after 45 years old, there's, I forgot what percentage, but you're going to get sick at some point. So you need that cash flow reserves, especially if you're a broker. And if you don't have a team and you, you know, you have a big six figure medical emergency and it wipes out your savings and you don't have cash flow coming in because you're not working. This is why you need that reserve. Number two, you need a, a vehicle, whether, and if you're a broker, maybe even invest in another brokerage or start your own brokerage. You have other people or you have your teams. You have like another vehicles, different type of business online right now. You could do, you know, like I have an info course. So here I can talk about that, but like e-com stores, other types of incomes or buy another business. I'm looking to buy HVAC businesses and plumbing businesses for cash flow. And when you combine a couple of those, just give you, this is kind of a little tidbit for people to understand. You could buy HVAC and plumbing businesses SBA loans financing 90%. So you only have to put 10% down, which is like real estate, you're usually putting 20, 30, especially when you start buying multiple properties or if you're getting agency that, but only 10% down because it's backed by the real estate. And so you're getting from day one, a business is doing two or 300,000 a month of cash flow, and you only have to put 10% down and it pays for itself within the first six months. So, and if you put three or four together and you could sell it, you buy them with three or four multiple, you could sell those seven or 10. So that's kind of like showing you the cash flow vehicle. And then the third is wealth multiplier and wealth multiplier. That's going to be a commercial real estate asset classes because you get the tax benefits. Traditional commercial real estate depreciates at 39 years. Multifamily is 27.5. And then the land improvements, people know this, the mobile parks is 15 years. And that's about 75, about 75% when you acquire the park is the land improvements. So you get the tax benefits and then obviously the tenements, whether it be retail, industrial, multifamily, assisted living, they're paying your note and billing and paying your profit. So they're working for you basically paying that, paying down that note. And then so you get that multiplier, just like if you buy a single family house and kept it for 20 years and you pay down that mortgage, same thing. So now you have the equity multiplier, you put in $1 and then typical commercial real estate asset class will do two and a half, three X multiply over seven, 10 years because you have people paying down. And then you also could raise the rents for the, you know, for the cash flow side. So then you get the equity multiplier. So when you exit in seven, 10 years or whenever, you're going to have three extra money on top of it. So that's kind of the three angles you want to protect your wealth. So you're not just working for a check. You're going to have to you know, protect your, your liquidity, protect your you know, cash flow and other assets, and then you know, protect your wealth long-term. Love it. That's awesome, bro. And you can tell it just flows out of you. You know, At this point, it's just natural, right? So let's break down how to identify you know, a mobile home park and then how do you underwrite it? And just kind of walk me through the process because you're my first person on the podcast that really has that that background. And so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's a hot niche right now too. So we have two things. I have a, I have a fund and then I also have a course. I've been in the space for 15 years. Like my dad, he eventually transitioned from, he built 80 some custom homes. We had three real estate brokerages at one point when I was a kid. And then also just all kinds of other development, other asset classes, commercial real estate. And then he got his first, we got our first park, but he was, kind of put me into it, but 2005, in a five, early six. And then we know what happened in 2007, eight, nine, you know, <laughs> many old enough to remember what happened. And especially, this is another key thing when real estate brokerage, because I got it in 2010, it was terrible because like the, the assets were, I had people that were so far underwater. They bought their house for one, I don't remember I was doing luxury. They bought it for 1.5 and it's really nice areas and the house is worth $1 million. And so they couldn't even pay me. I, I deals with people couldn't pay me the commission to help sell them on their loss of their house. <laughs> yep. So just kind of showing, but the only asset class that did really well, uh, Wall Street Journal had an article about this. You could go up the best performing asset 
since the last housing crash was mobile home parks. So actually wow. I've always gone up. So when everything hits hits the fan, it's the last affordable housing. So if you're to give people context, a normal like a normal mobile home parks were like three to four hundred dollar lot rent and in all in costs, maybe five hundred with all you know insurance, everything else, taxes. And once a really good thing too about mobile home parks or mobile homes specifically is the taxes for the residents is super, super cheap. So like the average rent right now for you know apartment building, I think it's 1200 national. But if they're living for 500 bucks, even if they're making 10 bucks an hour, they can afford their rent. And mm-hmm. so that's why in people that lose their job or they just have little savings, it's that vehicle that you know protects them so they're not homeless. And mm-hmm. so you're really serving the affordable housing need and really helping people. And they're really appreciative. If you take care of the park and you have rules and regulations and you you know maintain it and keep the residents happy, they're the, really happy when you walk through the parks because that's they know that this is the cheapest form of housing. I and mean, then you took all the risk. Well, it's not much risk at all, but requiring the park and you're paying the bulk of the taxes, the real estate taxes. And so they have a place to live for a couple hundred bucks a month. But in regards to underwriting a property, the thing with mobile home parks, it's a weird anomaly. So right now, it's like I said, the last 12 years, and actually the last 50 years based on bank data, it's been the best performing real estate and the lowest failure rate. And right now, it's like a mad rush of people coming in from multifamily retail because they heard about it and they think it's similar. It is similar in some concepts, but there's all you're really dealing with mobile homes, even though they they don't really move, but they're, they're actually basically like cars. <laughs> you have VINs and titles. It's not like regular real estate on your land. So people, you have oddities in that regard. So one thing you really have to look out for, most of the parks were developed in the 70s and 90s. They don't really, very few are allowed to be built nowadays. So the majority of the parks you're going to see are going to be older. So that means older infrastructure. So you got the things we are underwriting a park is the keys. You have to drive through it. You have to mm-hmm. do your due diligence. And that's the biggest, biggest part. And the due diligence key factors would be you want to have a rotor rooter go under the pipes to see the water and sewage lines, because if you can't see and there's cracks and that's going to be a couple hundred thousand dollar expense. And that's, you know, you're buying a million, if it's only a million dollar park, that's 20% of the asset. Wow. You're going to be in a bad situation. So check the pipes and you have those little, they put a little car in there and they ride through it and they video and they see if there's any cracks or anything wrong with it. Also, you want to make sure it's illegal conforming because sometimes some of these were legal non they're basically gray areas because some of these guys, it might be a grandfathered in, basically the old grandfather law. So you want to make sure that when you buy the ticket of the park, that's still going to be able to operate as a mobile home park. That's key because mm. I don't just take the word from it from the owner because they know they might sometimes what happens if the owner is really cool with the friendly with the, this, you know, the town's, you know, mayor and, you know, all the aldermen or whatever then they might not let the next person do it. So I always want to make sure that you could continue to run it as a mobile home park. That's key. Some people, if you don't do due diligence, you get in a bad situation. And also we want to see the lot size. If you're going to put new homes in, some of the older homes, the 50s, 60s models were a lot smaller at that time. And then from like the late 70s, from 76 on up, it's HUD. You know, they have to be HUD certified. And so they're actually a lot bigger houses. And the old homes back in the day, the 50s, 60s, were like eight feet wide. So you can even fit like a, you know, it's tiny. It's like a tiny home. So, the, I mean, obviously, these tiny homes are a popular thing nowadays, but most mm-hmm. people prefer to have a king size or queen size bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, understanding, see the lot size and see if you could fit the newer homes on it, if, you, if, that's, if that's the type of property that you want to acquire. And then also, you want to look at the trees. That could be an issue because if they fall down, collapse the house, mm-hmm. be a liability. So, that's a cost. Roads. And then just verify all the rent roll. And then any park owned homes, definitely walk through it. Cause like you'll see some crazy, <laughs> they'll be like, oh yeah, the home's really good condition. And you go inside and it's been like, it looks like one of the episodes of Hoarders. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. I mean, not all, but like you see some stuff. So it's just really coming down to like just verifying everything. 
and then just verifying the cash flow. And then, then it comes down to your financing. So right now, just to give you context, it's gotten such a competitive industry because traditionally we'd be like seven to 10 caps. And so it's, it's, that was back in the day, like five or seven years ago. Now we're seeing like some California assets, West coast stuff, and then two or threes. Two and three caps on mobile home parks. Yeah. Wow. Basically some of the lowest cap rates of any real estate right now, like stuff that was like, depends on the area and all depends on the area because everyone knows you can't really develop new ones. So you have a supply and demand economics Mm. working to you and you have about 60 to 70 million Americans in the affordable housing. And then plus there's a shortage of housing and the housing has gone up drastically on the other side of it. And so you have everything that would be all these trends and all these laws work to the advantage of the mobile park side. So it becomes a really, really attractive asset, but stuff in the Midwest, like for Midwest park capital, we like the Midwest because the cap rates are still a lot higher and still it's, it's the coastal stuff is where the big funds private equity goes in the Midwest. The cap rates are a lot higher. So if you have a three point spread from your financing, so if you get a finance rate, banks are actually financing the low threes. Uh, and then Fannie Freddie, which in the last five years has to allocate about 37% to uh, it's called the duty to serve act. And so that really brought in all these big investors because now Fannie Freddie have to lend on affordable housing and we're the biggest recipient of it. So if you get a 3%, you know, Fannie Freddie type financing, which is like incredible. If you get a park at six cap or low, low sixes, you're going to get cash and cash in the teens. Mm. And so you, those type of cash from day one are like incredible. And the average tenant since 14 years. So compared to apartment where the turnover is every about 60% every three years or two years, you have a tenant that stays for almost 15 years. Cause I, I mean, and the cost to move a mobile home across the street to another community is like five or 10 grand because of all the, they have to, they have to get a special trucks, it's not a pickup truck. It's an actual, you know, wide load trucks and they have to like, and the plumbers, everyone come in, take everything, unplug everything. So it's a really, really expensive cost to move a mobile home. So that makes another reason why it's such an attractive asset, even though it's called mobile, they don't really move. And so, so that's kind of like some key takeaways for, you know, how to underwrite and what the value is for the parks. No, that's really good information. So for the person who's interested in mobile home parks, where would I start? Like, what would you suggest that I even start looking at? Yeah, well, it's, you got to segue right into my course coming out. It's actually, the course is actually about mobile homes, how to flip. It's really, I want to serve because I, you know, the fund is for accredited investors and people aren't familiar. You have to be 200000 a year by the SEC, the government, or 300000 married or have a million dollars liquid, not including your house. And so 88% of the population doesn't fit that. And so I have people coming in from all these different podcasts and like everywhere in Google and media. And so I want to have a solution for people wanting to get involved in space because it really helps, you know, if we're not, you know, keeping these mobile home parks as percentage get closed every year, if we're not fixing up the older homes, they're going to be replaced with newer homes. And it's going to really, you're really helping people one. And then two, it's a great issue because it's pretty blue ocean. You're not competing. Like I always say, if you see single family flipping, well, what's on TV? There's like 20 shows, how to, you know, single family flip. What, how many do you see for flipping mobile homes? Mm. You don't have to, you know, everyone goes to those, you know, seminars and there's 500 people in the room in the same area. You think it's going to be easy to flip homes? <laughs> no, but nobody else is doing mobile homes really. So it's a really blue ocean. So we have like the course to give you context. I'm the only one that's been in the space for over a decade, other courses have been out, uh, the mobile home flipping courses and wholesaling, people in the last, last two years. And their courses are four, five, seven, 12 hours. Right now, I'm still recording content. I'm at 21 hours and still recording. I'm the only one that has like step-by-step price walkthrough. I have every contract, I have every 50 state exact process. And then I have bonus section, how to get your first park and I have the due diligence. I even have contracts. I did that. 
it's the most encompassing course ever in the mobile home side. So I just want to have it. And that's why I put probably 23 hours of content in plus every contract you'll ever need. Plus we have a private Facebook group where it's going to be the people that are the bonus content. We have people that are not know of the course. And it's like literally people from property management, from smaller park owners to like brokers. So I have everyone's perspective and how to, you know, from A to Z, how to learn how to get involved in the industry, how to flip and wholesale some mobile homes to get your first park. And that's free. Most people would charge another four or five K just for how to buy the first park and has a due diligence and has a contract. So I wanted to have like a solution. And I, I think that's probably your best bet because it's A to Z step by step. You know, it's been a year in the making me recording content. I thought it'd take like a month. <laughs> and I'm no. like still going at it. I'm like, it's like crazy. I'm like, I'm actually really proud of like of a, you know, it's kind of like a, a analogy is kind of like on Kanye. I'm a big Kanye fan from show, but <laughs> Recording a, like an album. I feel like I'm recording an album and then I have to like promote it. It's like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a lot of work, bro. I'm actually working work. on an online course right now and it it takes time, you know? Yeah, a lot. And when you mention it, people are like, when is the course? When is the course? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm working on it. So, but where can people get more information on that course? Is it out yet? Is there a website? Are you going to have it on Kajabi or what? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. It will be, it's going to be called, it's, well, there is a website now and they can sign up. It's the mobile home wealth Academy, just how it sounds. I got a PR release coming out for it. And then I also have two funnels that are done, but mobile home wealth Academy. And that's, I think it's going to be super game changing because right now it's a hot, one of the hottest niches in real estate. So you get step-by-step step. and then I know some, some students are going to get the first part. So it's going to be kind of life-changing that you're, you know, and we also have contracts, how to get your first part with the seller's financing. So you know, some of these guys are going to be doing boots in the ground, flipping the homes. They're going to build a relationship with the owner and they're going to be like, Hey, you know what? I was you 20, 30 years ago. Do you want to buy this, acquire this park? I mean, we have the contract we have the script. We teach you how to talk to them. Some people will get their first park with no money down. That's going to be going to basically get a million dollar plus asset with no money down. So we show them how to do that too. It's going to be pretty, pretty crazy to see the stories when people you know take action. Man, I'm proud of you, bro. Keep pushing. That's awesome. So you mentioned a couple of things for someone who's, like you said, taking your course and they'll get this right. But what do I actually own if I own a mobile park, mobile home park? What do I actually own? Ideally, you want to own just the land yeah. and then less of the homes. And then the homes is another model. So like when you first get like when you're flipping homes, you could rent them out for cash flow. Or but when you're buying from the park side, you can do both. And that could be another arm for an angle for a profit cycle. But Banks preferably and lenders prefer that you own less loan because it's more liability. But we teach people how to make that a, a not a liability because we're showing them how to cash flow it. And so basically, you want to own the land, and then the tenants when you're buying parks you want to have less of that. And plus, when you own the park, you could actually remodel them and then make money on that too. So you you'd actually have fifty, hundred, whatever, how many hundred units you have, and so you become basically vertically integrated. So now you're flipping the homes making money on that plus the cash flow plus the tax benefit. So it's a, it's a really cool business model. Yeah. So you want to own the land, but what if I have my own mobile home, I would lease that spot from you. Yeah. You just pay the lot rent. Yeah. And yeah. then pay your taxes and the taxes, like I said, like just, and that's another thing too, which it's really cool that like, for example, Illinois average 10, 20 bucks, sometimes seven bucks a month for taxes, real estate taxes, but across the street in a hundred thousand dollar house in Illinois is ridiculously high real estate taxes it'd probably be a three or four grand. So you're literally getting the rent for free, the lot rent and the taxes for the same price you just pay across the street for an older 100,000, probably broken down house, 
just in the real estate taxes, but you get to go to the same school, same fire, same place. So that that's why people are really appreciative of that, you know, when you walk to the park, because they know they'd be paying just that much on the real estate tax across the street for an old home with all the upkeep. Instead, they have their own private yard and now they're saving all that extra money. Yeah. So let's say, let's talk worst case scenario. So how do I evict somebody in a mobile home park? Do I just go and plug their stuff and say, pack your mobile home up and drive off? Or do I take the mobile home park from them and now I own it? Yeah. So there's a couple of things and every state has little laws, but one thing you usually do is you go to the person, this is most case scenario, just say, Hey, I know you're behind. What do I have to pay to get you out of there? And so usually if you say, Hey, I'll give you a thousand, 2000 bucks, they'll sign over the title to the to your the home and then now you have a home that you're going to make five or ten grand so like i would say nine out of ten times it's literally that easy is you know you know basically go up to them and say hey you know like what what do i need to do get you out of here and then another thing just to give you context too because people you know because last year this brings up a good point because last year the whole covid situation is still going going on with the eviction moratoriums and stuff but right now we have 95 94 percent collection rate from the last year and a half so wells fargo has like, you know, they're the biggest lender for mobile parks in the country, but they also have every other asset class, retail, hotels, everything. And they're like, this thing is just mobile home parks. People are still paying because it's so cheap. We didn't have that. If you talk to any owners, we didn't really have that issue compared to every other asset class. It's crazy because if you're one third or fourth the price of a house, one half the price or one third the price of our apartment, plus they were getting these checks, you know, the, the stimulus checks. And then if you had kids, they have the, we have some people, if they had two kids, I think it was like 54 or 5,600 rebate for the stimulus money. So they're like, here, they just pay off the, <laughs> the one, one, we have one tenant. like, here, here's the next, I want to pay off because I have this, you know, the 5,500, if you're making 20 grand a year is a lot of money. It's like, oh, here's the next, you know, 14 months paid up front. So yeah, we wow. don't, we don't really encounter like, it's just an anomaly in our industry. So, but yeah, if, if you own the home, then you'd actually go through like the whole, the whole process, like a, you know, like a regular eviction. So but if not, then you go through them, try to figure out a way for it to be yeah. a win-win and, most, and you keep it. Yep, exactly. And most of the time, most of these people, I mean, they'll be like, if you give them $1,000 to them, cash, $2,000, they like, what do you want? Like, you know, especially they haven't paid, they, you know, they'll do the right thing. They'll do the sell too. So then plus now you're actually going to make money in the house too. Yeah. Love it. So I want to talk about your e-commerce and then I'm going to hit some popcorn questions if you don't mind. So you yep. said something about an e-commerce store. Catch me up on that. Yeah. So I, well, I have a few different businesses. I have the, the fund, which is the mobile home park fund, the Westpark Capital. And I have the course of Home Wealth Academy. I have a digital agency revenue sun. And then I have three Shopify stores. Shopify is, I would recommend is the easiest platform. Two are Dropship and one's print on demand. Dropship. The main thing with that is I had an issue. Everyone kind of knows what Shopify is now, but last year I had a big issue because it was shipped from China. <laughs> we I started off with AliExpress. I don't recommend that. There's other ones out there that are actually like more boutique where they actually ship the stuff in two weeks and then they have tracking numbers and they package, they'll do custom packaging. Think handwritten, like you can order thank you notes and has your branding on it. So it gives like the whole brand of like a bigger brand basically. So with Shopify or anything I recommend is if, you, if you're going to do drop shipping, keep out a few items, build out the store, use a premium theme. You're going to probably want to hire a good agency or somebody that really knows media buying because it's not... Five years ago, you could set up some Facebook ads and anybody could do it. Now it's getting a lot more complicated because it's like literally you set up a you 14 day free, push some buttons, you have a Shopify store and you connect it to like your dropship or my, like, you know, AliExpress. I don't recommend that, but people do that and they could be selling on Facebook, you know, the next day. So mm-hmm. 
the main thing is build a brand, build your, and like nowadays you can do white labeling too, where you can white label your own product. Like if you're, uh, you know, into fitness, you can get like supplements, vitamins, and put your label on it, and then you do a Shopify store. So it's a great platform just to sell stuff online. Facebook ads, Google ads, Google's high intent. I recommend that. So more Google shopping is really good if you want to sell products online. And the third of the print on demand is basically a really cool model. It's like drop shipping. So you're not buying the inventory. So you literally you have the appearance of whatever t-shirt you have a graphic designer put on Shopify, brand your store, whatever. If you want to do local city, you know, going to Texas, the state of Texas, and have you know everything Texas and have it called Texas, Texas t-shirts.com, put on Shopify. And then you have graphic designers, put all your designs on there, have them put them on models, and the graphic designer will put it on models like you actually have photos. And then as soon as the order is made, it gets printed up in the USA. There's like printful, there's custom cat, there's a couple of different print on demand. So you don't pay for any inventory, but you have the appearance of the big store and it's shipped and like they get it in a week. And yeah. then you just basically, if you're an influencer, if you pay influencers or you can do Facebook ads or you put on your social media, you don't get much reach and non-organic stuff or non-paid stuff anymore. But, and then every time you get an order, you just mark, you have that different split. And usually you get about 50% margin on uh or more on uh print on demand style. Man. Okay. So I'm going to be selfish real quick. I've been doing a lot of podcasts and you're the first person that I've brought on that's talked about this. So one of the things that people always ask me is they want my hats. So everybody wants a TM5 hat or they want a shirt. And so we have these hats and dude, I'll be in the airport and like, man, I was in Park City or Dallas and people walk by with my hat. I have no clue who they are. You know, because at one point we had, you know, brokers and man, we you know, we got up to last year. I think we did right on a thousand deals. Well, if you got a thousand deals, it's a thousand hats that most likely got given out by somebody at my real estate brokerage. But people wanted more of it. And so I actually just this week in our level 10 meeting, because we do EOS, we talked about starting this online merch store mm-hmm. and having these hats and stuff. And, bro, I just don't even. If you tell me, like, walk me through where to start, man. I, like I said, I'm, sure. for the first time on the podcast mm-hmm. and all these episodes, I'm 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 looking past my audience and I'm thinking about myself right now. <laughs> walk me through what that looks like, because, bro, I keep getting so many people who want my swag, but I don't know how to get it to them. And they're always asking me and it's just a headache because I got to go mail it to them and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend and I teach it stuff so like my digital agency. I speak a lot of t- national stages and universities teaching people digital marketing. So you're getting like a good perspective here actually in the trenches but i use custom cat that's one i use custom what custom cat like a, like a cat cap and then you you would go to shopify set up on shopify the 14 day trial it's free or it's like use like 30 bucks a month even like kylie jenner her store is on shopify but she uses like a really high level version that's like two grand a month because of so much traffic and the hosting they need all that extra but an average person could start for 30 bucks a month plus okay. whatever apps you want and then custom cat They'll, you pick out basically what you do is you would have your, you know, your web developer, somebody that's familiar with Shopify, get a graphic designer. You can either take photos of you or your friends, you know, with the hat on or get a graphic designer that just basically, you know, puts your hat on models <laughs> and mm-hmm. it looks like they're actually wearing it. Yeah. And then, or your t-shirts or do a combination of both where it's you, you know, that you're the face of the brand. You have your photographer come in, you, you know, put some of those on there and then you get like the graphic designer puts on different models, you know, and then they put your design on that. And then what you do, that's connected to custom cat and custom cat basically it plugs in place. So every time an order comes in it, you just say whatever sizes you want, you can have small, medium, large or for hats. You could, they, have, they have different type of hats too. So they have like 
camo hats, if you want to some different, you know, brands. It just basically, I think the hats are stitched. It's basically once the order is placed, it goes, you know, digitally sends a, a note to Custom Cat. They process it and ship it out. And then it looks like you have a store full of, you know, all kinds of sizes. And since it's printed in the USA, it's, I think it's right outside of Michigan, Detroit. They get it within, you know, three to five days. It's two or three days of, you know, I think hats are a little bit longer process, but the t-shirts are two to three days. I think hats are three to five. I don't have hats in my store, but that's it. Basically, you're just literally, it's called you know, print on demand. And you can print on the demand is a, is a website? That's what's the name of what it's called. Okay. So basically, so you just set up the store, have your photos of the items connected to Custom Cat or whatever, you know, Printful. There's a couple other ones. But spell, spell that out. Custom Cap or Custom Cat? Cat. C-A-T. Oh, that's what I was saying. Custom cat. Yeah, yeah. Custom, custom cat. And then the printable is just how it sounds as well. Print a what? Printable. Spell that for me. Any, you can look at Google, Shopify, print on demand companies. But oh. I've used custom cat for three years and they, they're quick. They have good customer service. If there's like an order, if something's sold out, they're usually pretty quick to get some like, it might be in three or four days. It's not like it's sold out and you have to wait a month and your customers, because they're shipping it from the U.S., People don't mind because they're getting it within usually a week or max worst case scenario. If it's like sold out and they had to restock it, it's like 10 to 14 days. So it's still really fast. Yeah. We just didn't want to be in here like having all these hats and shirts. And instead of being a a real estate company, we're in here being a hat company. And so if you told me to like hats, shirts, what would you say like the top five things if you're trying to have, you know, because with the podcast, like I want to be able to send you guys a gift in the mail for being on the podcast, like, would you say hat shirts? What are the other three kind of items that you see people do? Sweatshirts. Sweatshirts. Are, I mean, you're in Texas, but in the Midwest, <laughs> when the winter comes around, you want to throw on those the sweatshirts, sweatshirts, and those have good margins. People will pay that because it's thicker fabric. Yep. And, you know, real estate, a lot of people use like pens and, you know, obviously you have like Vista print, you can do all kinds of like, you know, logo stuff, but that's not a print on demand model where you actually have to individually place the order. The cool thing about the print on demand is like you just say, hey, go to my website and then order it. And then it's all automated. It's literally yep. automated, the entire process. You're not, and you're, you know, like you said, you're not you're not a hat company, so you don't have any inventory. So you, it's literally just well, how much you want to market it or how much traffic you want to buy. And then you just put an, I put an X amount of dollars and I got this, I have, here's my margin. That's it. Here's my ROAS. Here's my margin. So you're not, you don't have any inventory. So there's no way besides ad, if you're going traffic to be not profitable, basically. You're not going to be about like, oh, I guess, you know, I bought 300 hats and I sold 100 this month and I have this velocity or 100 hats per month. I'm not going to get my cash flow back until the second month because I sold 200. So immediately cash flow and positive. Yeah. Sweet, bro. Do you have a class for that or somewhere that we can send our audience and myself to go to? <laughs> I'm thinking about it because I got, uh, I'm doing a new course for HVAC because I can, one of the things I'm trying to do is vertically integrate. So my agency, I have, well, I do my agency. So I can speak a lot. You know, it's like I'm, I've had some pretty high-profile celebrity clients before where I ran their Google and Facebook ads, but I kind of brought that down where I'm just taking a couple of clients at once, or I do like consulting, where if it's one or two days, I come in or virtual. And then I have a course I'm coming out for HVAC owners and plumbing teaches them like, we, we're doing this really unique kind of game-changing because a lot of people, those type of businesses, a lot of times they do around two to three million in revenue, but they don't want to pay an agency 25, 3,500 a month. So I'm saying, hey, for the cost of three months, you never have to use an agency again. We're going to set up your ads, tweak them, and then you're going to show you how to do it yourself. And then we'll have a private community. So basically, and I could keep, I know my costs, what it costs to acquire a customer, my sales, my ads, 
to acquire a customer and then my labor for them to set up. But then for them, the value is now after three months, you got to save 30, 40 grand a year. And then I'm yeah. going to literally show them and then I'm already setting them up. So it's kind of done for you with the educational component. So I'm probably going to do some more stuff like that. Cause I think that the feedback's been really positive. It's going to, you know, some people get a little agitated because I'm kind of, you know, going against the grain and telling me here's how to do it. But like the ones that after that do, you know, spend five or 10, 20,000, a month in ads, they're going to hire somebody to do it full time. But 80% of the people that are underneath that, they only want to run a thousand dollars of traffic and you want to get an extra 20, $30,000 in revenue. This is the solution for it. So I'm coming up with some more solutions. I might even come up with some more courses because now that I know how to do it, it's it's, getting, it's coming faster. So I'm not only do I have the, the academy, but I also have the HVAC marketing accelerator. So that's, you know, I'm doing a lot of courses right now, just kind of giving giving away the, you know, the secrets basically, pulling back the curtains. I'm interested in that too, man. I own a plumbing company, obviously, in construction and oh, all this goes on. Yeah, dude. Oh, so that's we, awesome. Yeah, I love that. Some- actually. Yeah, some HVAC marketing. That's on Revenue Sun. Revenue Sun backslash HVAC. HBAC that that landing page is set up, but yeah, that course should be coming out in two weeks. We actually had I had three agencies. I had my agency, I had two other agencies, so we have three different perspectives. Uh, people that actually do lead generation, so it's kind of cool. I had two yeah. other partners, and then we basically break down how to you know scale your business, and we show you everything. If you're plumbing, we show you how to sneak on your competitors' ads. We also have how to set up a copy, how to you know how to tweak the ads, and then we also show like traditional ads too, so like marketing. So I go a little bit on like how to do the blimp billboards, which is like basically digital billboards, which are effective if you have a local brand for just brand recognition. I show people how to do the Comcast ads, the TV ads, which is only you can start off with 500 bucks. People don't know that. And then also every every door direct mail. If you're doing a lot with uh, mailers, real estate guys are familiar with that. Yeah. But a lot of HVAC guys don't take advantage of that or plumbing guys. Like they basically people don't understand this. Like the post office has a promotion marketing that you pick out certain streets, certain areas, the, the cost to send mailers is drastically lower. So just have a really good call to offer, send to your website, and then you follow them around digitally, you know, with retargeting and ad roll. And then you also have the high intent ads on Google. And then on top of that, you get a couple digital billboards in your area for 10, it's like 10 cents or 20 cents <laughs> for a blimp. And they're like, wow, you're everywhere, but you're doing it in a really efficient, cost-efficient way and measure way. You can say, I put X amount in and I got this much revenue back. Love it, bro. Man, a lot of good content. So as we get ready to close, I'm going to hit you with some popcorn questions. I'm going to throw about three or four at you real quick, and then we're going to close with our final thought, right? So what's one thing you wish you would have known that you now know when you got into the real estate industry? That's a great question. I think the one thing I should have known, well, I experienced everything because I got in the worst time. I think the hardest thing was, I would say the investor side. So mm-hmm. going from the brokers to investor side, it's a lot easier. This is a tidbit for people. It's a lot easier to work with like qualified purchasers, which means a $5 million net worth than a regular credit investor. A credit investor that does like two to 400,000 a year, they're not, you know, they're making good money depending on what the cost of living is, but they're not going to, like they're, our fund raising, it's a $50,000 minimum, but it's actually way easier to ask for somebody for a million or a couple million from somebody that has 5 million or above than as ask for 50,000 from somebody that has maybe 200 in their bank. And so I think I thought the challenge for me has been, the way we structure the fund because our competitors are 250, 500, a million dollars entry. We want to have like open for more people. I wish I would know it had been a little bit easier if I would have done <laughs> the higher raise. And those people, even the people that have the right to bigger checks, they don't want people that are only putting 50,000 in. I've had literally people say, Hey, well, if you did a half million, I want to be with other people that are putting half million. So working with the right type of investors and understand that 
it's actually easier to work with higher net worth people if they like your offering than it is just a regular credit investor. So I think that'd be the answer for that. That's great wisdom. What do you see as the biggest opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months? Mobile home parks? <laughs> yeah, right now, I, yeah, mobile home parks, mobile home flipping. And just, I was just, I, one of the guys on the, on the course, I'll give you a couple of different industries actually, but right now, you know, there's like the sh- used cars are going like skyrocket. It's the same with used homes, mobile homes, especially because there's a shortage of six to 12 month back orders on new mobile homes. And so like, if anybody takes the course, this is like a, People like you put an ad on Facebook, you get 20 messages in like an hour because <laughs> they know that there's no other, you know, supply and demand economics. So I think that there's a five year window for acquiring parks, besides which we teach people how to get the first smaller park. But for like the fun size, we're seeing a lot of consolidation from private equity, like all the big players, Blackstone, Apollo, all the biggest private equity are spending billions and billions per year in mobile home parks. And so we're the last industry that's going to consolidate. We're what self storage was 10 years ago. And so you're going to see the mom and pop owners getting these crazy offers and then exiting out. And so that's going to be a five-year run where it's not going to be, like I said, the cap rates are getting compressed. I think also industrial because of e-commerce stores. So like having a digital perspective, I see all why, you know, why it makes sense because industrial, you have all these e-commerce stores. You see how like, you know, Amazon, besides Amazon, anybody can set their own store. So industrial is a great niche. I also like because 50% of approximately mobile homes tenants are senior citizens, but one fourth of them, seventy percent have less than thirty thousand in savings. That's another reason why mobile home parks are good investment. And we know there's a silver tsunami coming. And what that means is, over the next ten thousand baby boomers are retiring every day. So you take that data. We know one fourth of them, three fourths of them only have thirty thousand dollars. But the other fourth, they're fluent. And so where are they going? Assisted living centers. So I think assisted living and senior living is a great niche. And these are what the private, all the stuff I'm telling you is what, how private equity is you know, making their moves. So we're technically a small private equity firm with the Midwest Park Capital, but these are how they're maneuvering. They're taking the data. They're seeing this e-commerce, they're going for industrial. They see this you know, affordable housing, they're going mobile home parks. And they see the, the rich, the other portion, they're getting assisted living centers. So. That's good. That's good, bro. And then what's the one book you recommend if there was a book that you wanted to recommend, because we always tell our guests to bring a book to recommend to our audience to read. Oh yeah. So here's a tip. So what I did, I never used to read. My dad used to like give me books when I was a kid all the time. I'm like, Oh, and I don't want to read. He was like very studious <laughs> and always wanted me to read. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to read. I don't want to read. And then just to give you context. Nowadays I listen, I use scribe app. It's eight bucks a month. I'm compared to Amazon prime, whatever the book thing is called. You get unlimited books. They actually throttle you after you listen to too many books, if you're doing like eight audiobooks, <laughs> they'll, mm-hmm. they'll kind of make them disappear. But for eight books for a buck a month, it's crazy. They have pretty much everything on there. So I, I listen every time I work out, and especially when you're doing cardio, it's boring. Throw on an audiobook, an average audiobook, six to eight hours on regular play. So if you're doing one, an average CEO reads approximately 50 bucks a year, you're getting one, and you work out four or five days a week, you're getting a book in every day. You know, yeah. and it's audio. So you're doing cardio and you're also absorbing more because you're like your blood flow and they actually do like studies on that. But the book, I would say that read 115 books in the last two years, well, actually a little more than that now, but my favorite would probably be Zero to One from Peter Thiel. He's the founder of PayPal. And it just really shows you how to look for opportunity and just like, a, and just being like an entrepreneur and just seeing opportunity where others don't see opportunity. It's very, very well written and he's you know, a billionaire. He even, there's articles that he, if you look at him, if you Google him, he took his IRA and became, he made billions off his IRA, I think, or something like that. Everyone's like, how did he do that? This, this got to be illegal. But he says, that's how brilliant he is. So I love it. 
Final thoughts, man. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for all the content. What's your final thoughts for our audience? Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. And where can people find you? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. We went through a couple different things. So we have Revenue Send is my you know digital marketing agency. So if you guys are running ads or stuff like that, that's we work a lot of help. We scale it down to more one-on-one or we do consulting. And we also have the HVAC and Plumbing Accelerator, and that's Revenue Sound HVAC. The Midwest Park Capital and Midwest Park Capital Fund is if you're a credit investor. By the time this comes out, we'll probably we'll be done raising. We're going to be going to either a second fund or a syndication model and a lot higher meet, like an entry point, as I alluded to. So that's Midwest Park Capital. That's you know, approximately 12% of the population. But the other 88% right here, Mobile Home Wealth Academy, and that's going to be launched. Actually, the video editor... <laughs> He's like, how many videos do you have? I'm like, just give you context. I'm like, because I told you it's 21 hours plus, about 23. I'm like, oh, I got like 60 videos so far. He's like, 60? It's going to take me, <laughs> I think would have like 10. <laughs> yeah. So he's got like, the intro and outro video and the logo and all that stuff. So it's going to take him about two weeks. So probably September, first week of September. It'll be out regardless. And I, if I have to drip some of the content. Sweet. And that's that's it. Or Jonathan Tuttle on Facebook or Instagram. Man, thank you again, bro, for being on the show. Let's stay in touch. I'm going to reach out to you with my team. Perfect. to talk about the e-commerce, the plumbing and all that, man. But thanks again, bro. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Great job. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 